Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to expand your social, intellectual, and economic capital. Investing on and off the farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. Being able to understand you know, what really occurred in that market from a major volatility standpoint and what to expect potentially in that market in the future, I think is key to mitigating risks of the deal that you're specifically focused on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. Today, we have Matthew Owens on the show. Matthew has over a decade, I think 15 years of vast experience in real estate, think private money, single family rentals, all sorts of syndications in multifamily and other asset classes. He is also a CPA and also has a fractional CFO services and a whole book of business in that regard. So a vast wealth of knowledge I'm hoping to get out of him selfishly. So Matthew Owens, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I have a lot of speakers that I work with myself just because I learn so much from different perspectives across the board. So it's always fun to talk to new people. <laughs> Absolutely. And for listeners out there, Matthew and I are part of this same group where we've connected um, across the country and just really good group of people sharing knowledge as well, you know, super open dialogue. And I'm just really glad I joined that group. I think it was one of the major reasons why uh, Matthew and I have connected in the past, but yeah, Matthew, excited to have you on the show today and really excited to have you talk about private lending. We have, we haven't had anyone on the show talk about private lending or um, like fractional CFO services and how valuable those are. I, I hear you. Um, you know, it's a, just a matter of developing resources that help real estate investors for the most part and business owners and, you know, the lending side and bringing capital to the table is always a challenge for a lot of people. And so we just continue to develop relationships over the period of time that we've been doing this over 15 years and all of our real estate deals. And, uh, you know, we've developed those resources to be able to help other people with. And as we deploy them, we gain more. So it's really interesting from the, the capital side. And then I realized after doing business and a lot of lending that the biggest challenge with a lot of investors is making sure their books are in order, making sure that, you know, they have the mm. right buckets for their deals and they're not robbing their personal lives in order to pay for their deals over here. And they have, you know, proper allocations of capital stacks in different ways to, for the deals that they're doing. And so the hardest part is dialing that in and 90% of business owners don't have the financial side dialed in where they have, you know, a budget for them personally, a budget for their business proper capital stacks for their deal flow. And so it becomes chaos and it's very difficult. So I had to learn in the beginning, we've now flipped over a thousand houses, raised over $150 million for real estate, have 35 million lent out to flippers. And, you know, we got to have our accounting side dialed in, you know, it's got to be dialed in yeah. or you're not going to be able to get to that level, you know? And so a exactly. lot of people don't have that. And so that's why we help provide those services to people because it's, like I said, it's how do we help investors and make money at the same time, you know? So, yeah, you got to have your stuff organized and dialed in. So when the right opportunity comes up, you have a section of your balance sheet that you can say, all right, X percentage was allocated towards, let's just say, multifamily asset that had this mm -hmm. risk profile, perhaps 
but that's okay because the other 75% was in stable cash flowing assets already, for instance. Um, but is that kind of some of the analysis that you do for your clients? Yeah. So typically it starts off with, let's see where you're at and what your assets are producing for you right now. Most of the time people need to have that dialed in first to understand, Hey, what is actually, what are you making on your current investments? What other income do you have coming in to cover your expenses, to cover your you know, personal and business operations expenses and things like that? What kind of reserves do you have put aside? So dialing all that stuff in, and getting a general understanding of that, then it's a matter of, okay, how do I optimize my investments and make them create more money for me? Or what's my return on equity on, you know, my real estate holdings, for example, it's not even return on investment. It's return on equity, right? What would you exactly. make out of that deal to, and what could you take out of that after taxes to redeploy into something else that's going to make you a higher return that's maybe above inflation or, um, that is a more stable investment or creates more cash flow that you can retire off of. A lot of people might have millions in equity, making them like 1% on their money is not enough to retire. But if they cash in that equity and deploy it somewhere else or refinance to pull it out and deploy it somewhere else, they can make a lot more money in cash flow and then really retire off of that, which is what the goal is, right? Is how do I create passive cash flow so I don't have to do anything? I can sit on the couch and, you know, play with the kids, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do what you want with the time, because the fact right. of the matter is a lot of these, a lot of our listeners and people out there have worked a ton, many years, decades, in fact, building up their own businesses, growing right. their farms, they paid down their debt. But the fact is like they have so much invested either just in a few asset classes like their farm, like their own business, or maybe just real estate they're not really diversified enough to really get the scale that you are talking about. Right. Right. And, and I think it, it, it's hard to do that. Right. And nobody teaches this stuff and you have to increase your education on how to do the right homework on the deals in the first place so that that way you can be successful. Cause there's a lot of bad investments out there and a lot of crooks out there. How do you know yeah. what homework to do? Right. You got to educate yourself on that. Be around the people people that are already investing in these things, go, go through and talk to attorneys, do background checks and criminal checks and, you know, analyze the deals and the markets and the financial assumptions and those types of things to really be able to determine, is it a good investment? But, you know, yeah, it's an uphill battle to learn that. But once you do, you're diversified into different asset classes, different markets of the country, different operators and creating cash flow through all of them and having a really, really solid base of cash flow coming in to retire off of, which is the why, right? You're like, what's yeah. the point of learning all this? It's so that you can be free, yeah. you know? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Matthew, why do all this work and go through all this education and pick the operators that we trust, know, like, and trust? Why don't I just put my money into an index fund? <laughs> well, <laughs> first, first out, of the, out of the index funds, understand who you're doing business with and how they make their money, right? Most of these index funds, most of the mutual fund companies, the Fidelities, the Schwabs, all those companies, I don't know if you know this, but they take like 65% of the total gains over the lifetime in fees. They make money yep. whether you make money or not going up or down. Exactly. And a lot of the syndication investments are actually all of them that I invest and I don't invest if they're not structured this way. My investors get paid first or if I'm investing, I get paid first. And then 
the then so the investors get paid first and then the operators get paid so there's incentive for performance built into these things versus the current way that a lot of people invest in mutual funds stocks and bonds you're never going to produce enough cash flow to retire off of or you just have to build up a lot more and you don't have control over a lot of those specific investments or choosing exactly which companies you're going to invest in as well um, and you're really not doing any true homework on those portfolios you're usually giving it to a fund manager that's doing that for you and so to me you know lack of control low returns bad incentives for performance I, I, i'm like okay well if i wanted another option i better go learn how to do this homework right on these other deals so that that way i'm not just dying over here and not ever retiring you know so and yeah. taking all this risk that i don't need to take really exactly but you can front load that work do your homework on an operator get really comfortable about how they're yeah. doing business who they're doing business with what their right. strategy is and if they are a true good operator they will gladly take the time with investors no matter the size of check that they're mm -hmm. that you are thinking of investing they should every time take the time to run you through whatever documents you need to see to get comfortable with right. the investment or how they do business. Like that's just a fact, but that will not happen. I almost guarantee you with yeah. folks who run, who are just selling index funds, who are, right. you know, CFPs selling these bonds. Um, like that just level of service is not there in my opinion. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. It's almost on purpose as well. And those other those other th things that you don't have to do any of that stuff or disclosures. They just recently made it. So they had to disclose their fee structures, which is crazy. And, uh, you know, understanding that, yeah. you know, the incentive there is is crazy. But yeah. And, and, and also, yeah. you know, going through and, you know, understanding when you first start off, if if it takes you a year to get to know somebody, understand their assumptions, run through multiple deals they've done, fine, you know, great. Take that time to do that. Learn how to do the homework on that operator, how to do the homework on the deal and the financial model, right? Like what what um, uh, financial assumptions are they saying? Rents are going to go up by this or, you know, or this, or and, and it's going to go up in value by X amount. What's their exit cap rates? There's a number of little factors in there that you want to know about. Out, right you know what does the debt stack look like uh, what about the market is it you know what kind of class property is it where where, where is it on the market what's going on with that market on the economic side so but if once you have a checklist you know and you run through it a few times you start to feel a lot more comfortable about that deal that operator you know and you got to get to know people right nobody wants should invest with yeah. people that they just met you know so uh, get to know people and understand who they are as a person how do they think um, how do they, what have they done in the past? How do they protect investors? Call other investors that have done deals with them too, a bunch of them, you know? And that's how you do your homework on these to really understand who the person is that you're investing with and, you know, other people's experience, right? How do they communicate and who's their operations team? And, you know, dive deep into these things so you can really feel comfortable because that's the only way you should invest. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that you brought up like checklists, like, Everyone says, "Ooh, download my checklist or whatever." But, but seriously, they are really good tools. And I was noticing yeah. on your website, like you offer a checklist, but you also offer, I think, I don't know, like twenty modules for investors going through the basics of syndications and private lending and um, mm -hmm. finance work and accounting. 
and it's just a huge resource and something that honestly like i've been or i aspire to provide to my investors as well so a thank you for providing that knowledge to your your investors and providing that to the general world and thought um the thought what am i trying to say <laughs> the world <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it's really important uh, to educate people and that we have a YouTube channel and stuff like that as well um, to be able to just teach and teach because it's the only way that, you know, you can help people. And then if you don't teach people the right way, they're going to do it wrong with somebody else. So they're going to lose their money, you know? So that's yeah. why you try to be that guiding light and just show, share with them everything they possibly, you possibly can um, to help them understand the, the risks of the deal, who you are and how you analyze and, you know, your expertise there. Right. So, um, it's, it's very key through that education. Um, you start to build trust and, and that's how we, how we focus on it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I like that you bring up, like, if people aren't going to do it right first, then it's even harder to get in the game. If you trip on the first deal or two, and then right. your your level of trust in the industry goes down as well. And so it just kind of snowballs, but in the wrong direction. We want it to snowball, right. but in the right direction, high into the right, preferably. Right. And it's and it's really cool that you can then start investing in, you know, we invest in mobile homes and self-storage, in debt, in multifamily, in 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 vitamin companies, and in, in marijuana companies, and all different types of investment strategies to diversify this stuff with different operators in different markets. And each one has its own due diligence set that you're focused on and trying to, you know, dial in really, really deep. Uh, at the same time, it can be a really great strategy to utilize. Um, and, you know, but there's also a place for active operations. You know, some people, you know, what's happening in a syndication and investment is you're giving up control of that investment to an operator that's going to do all the work. So you got to yep. do a lot of homework on them and not go crazy big with one specific operator. Right. Um, but you know, some people just can't get over that control aspect and they want to have that direct ownership of, you know, real estate um, when it comes down to, you know, direct ownership of single family or multifamily homes or doing the work themselves, managing the contractors. And there's something to be said about that, right. Being able to, understand operations from that level and learn it through doing it helps you over here on the passive side too. Um, and you know, that's great, but realize too, you're qualifying for the debt. You're doing all the workload, all the financial burden is on you, right? In this yep. case versus the syndication side, they qualify for the debt. I'm not on the hook for the debt that they, they qualify for themselves and personally guarantee themselves. I'm not at liability for that. I'm only at risk for what I put in from a capital stack perspective, right? And so if yep. I put in 25,000 or 50,000 across, you know, a hundred different deals, you're in a great spot, you know, uh, as far as, you know, financial diversity goes. So if one person blows up on you, you're not super stressed, but the benefits far outweigh just not having to do the work, not having to qualify for that debt, do the financial reporting, manage daily operations. You know, I have a real estate portfolio of single family homes. Just managing property managers alone is a lot of work and I need a team to do that, yeah. right? So, and they're already asset managers in place for that. So, you know, having most syndicators have operations team and asset management on top of that, which is really kind of like what makes it passive, which is the key, you know? So, yeah, exactly. And it's all about expertise diversification as well. 
like when people go to Matthew Owens, like Matthew Owens has experience in a ton of different asset classes, but also in private money and also in CPA and CFO services. And so when someone comes to Matthew Owens, you know, they get more than just an investment in one syndication deal, you know, because a person like you has eyes, their hands into many different realms of the real estate world. And you Mm -hmm. can easily pick out what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. And that's a true benefit for limited, you know, passive investors, limited being they don't have voting rights, but they get all of the benefits of being in a real estate deal, such as depreciation, interest write-off, appreciation gain, both forced and market appreciation. You know, they get all of these benefits without having to put a hand on the asset, which is really game changing. Right, right. That yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting you know strategy to utilize um, to, for for people that already have full time jobs. They're making money in these ways. They don't have the time to do the active operations or the bandwidth to learn because you do make a lot of mistakes on your own as well, and it costs you money directly. Every mistake you make while you learn costs you a ton of money, you know? So it's definitely interesting. And, you know, I think it's important, especially now in the market, to understand some of the risks of the overall economy as a whole in the first place, right? You know, understanding that, hey, lending has lending rates have gone through the roof. So the commercial lending environment is very difficult at the moment, and you want to counterbalance future potential declines and is the deal still work even if it went declined in the future or something like that in uh in value or based on your value add strategy you could still be making money even if you went and said hey um right now it's trading at a five cap but i'm going to pretend like it's trading at a six in the future just to be on the safe side does my deal still work right understanding what the break even analysis is on that deal in itself and you know what risks are out there and how do you mitigate that from an operations perspective like the single family fund that we're doing um we're having zero debt on it i'm not even having any debt it's just it cash flows well enough to not deal with that right and it's Crazy. a short-term rental long-term rentals type strategy all the deals i'm actually doing right now have zero debt on them and i'd rather raise more equity capital and have zero debt uh and that way i'm protected for any downside risk in the market then Uh, than the deal with the crazy lending environment that we're dealing with right now. Let it calm down and cool down. And if we want to refinance later, then great. We can do that at that time. But, you know, to not have to take the risk and be recession resistant is really, really key. Um, I think if, if, you know, people are concerned about the overall market and, you know, economy and where we may be going as a country and things like that. Right. So and diversifying Mm -hmm. out of the country, diversifying into even some precious metals and, you know, things like that, diversifying into, um, you know, uh, manufacturing facilities, other types of businesses, things like that can be, you know, really valuable on top of just real estate or just one specific asset class. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought up the, the risk adjust adjusted profiles of, of these different asset classes, because, when you look at the lending environment right now, where everyone knows we're in very high interest rates, anywhere from right. five to 10%, depending on the bank, depending on the asset class and depending on the type of debt itself. And so for you, are you just buying all cash for these single family homes? And then, you know, maybe in four years, you think about refinancing out of them. Is that the typical strategy that you're employing right now? 
Yeah. So we, what we do, what I've historically done when I've flipped a thousand houses, I bought them, renovated them, tenant them, and then refinanced them and held them or resold them uh, for a profit on my side. Uh, and, and typically in this case, what's happening in this case is I'm already buying them, renovating them, tenanting them, getting short-term rentals set up and then moving them to a fund that we can basically hold long-term from a cash flow perspective and I can participate with my private investors, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, and we're just doing that with all equity. So right now I personally have debt on them and then we're moving them to another entity to do to do with all cash and all raise capital from a cash perspective on that. So, um, so that's not a live deal yet. I'm in the process of putting together models and things like that. I have other live deals that, you know, in, if people are interested, they can talk with me about those types of deals. Uh, they can reach me at MatthewOwens.com with one T in Matthew. My parents couldn't spell. So uh, I'm like, I try to go buy the domain for the two T's, but somebody <laughs> else has it already. So <laughs> that's fair. I was actually thinking about your name and I like yours better because when you say Matthew, you actually say math first. You don't say right, Matthew. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, it's but we should definitely yeah. connect offline because we are also running or building out a short-term rental um, fund right now, doing a very similar thing that you're doing, but would love to connect um, offline and talk a little yeah, bit sure. of strategy around that. Um, but but back to the the risks, I think there's a ton out in the marketplace. Obviously, debt is a big one. What other risks mm -hmm. do you see out there on the horizon? So, you know, I, I think it's all dependent on the market. Everybody says, you know, oh, real estate market's in danger or in a bubble type situation. Um, but at the end of the day, and, and I, I do have concerns about affordability, of course, and things like that, but there is no supply in the market. And every market is completely independent of each other, right? Yeah, there are some yep. national things that can affect the market, like interest rate changes and stuff like that that we saw already. And we saw a slight reduction in that, but we still did not see an uptick in supply. Actually, raising rates that fast made the supply problems worse because people yep. aren't selling houses. Because why are they going to go trade up, you know, a three percent mortgage to a seven uh, if they don't have to? Right? They're going to keep that mortgage in place. So refinances dropped off the planet. You know, when it came to you know that that refinance, you know, the refinance numbers of consumers and and, yep. and homeowners, and so. Um, and so that's, you know, obviously something to consider and understand. So what is going to cause the the number of properties to go up? So the supply actually increases uh, and then, you know, we have a reduction in value. Um, it, there's a number of things that could one. It could be, you know, a major blow to the economy, you know, continued war continued issues on that side, continued inflation where food goes through the roof, gasoline goes through the roof and people's living expenses start to skyrocket, therefore reducing affordability that really isn't showing up in mortgage rates, you know, and stuff uh, and, and not even utilized for qualifications necessarily in, in uh, financing for mortgages because they usually use debt that's on their books, household, car debt, credit card debt, when they're doing consumers debt to income ratios for qualifications. And so mm -hmm. they're not seeing, hey, food just doubled, you know, right now and gasoline is going up. Yeah, it might be a smaller percentage of their expense stack compared to housing. But at the same time, that's a major hit to affordability, which could cause turmoil. And I think a lot of people are thinking that rents 
may, um, you know, we're going to continue to go up long term. Rents decline also. So making sure that when you invest, if the rents decline by 10 or 15 percent, you're at the you know worst case scenario, break even on the deal and not going to go and, you know, smashing down and losing the entire asset. Right. So, yeah. you know, some of those things are what you want to counterbalance for. And so it's seeing what risks could happen. Rents could decline. Cap rates could, you know, get get, you know, uh, loosen up to be able to trade at higher cap rates and therefore reducing value of the property. There's a number of things that could happen. And what is the deal that you're looking at risks associated with the overall economy as a whole and those uh, macroeconomic and microeconomic aspects of it from, you know, an overall standpoint and then also in the general market uh, and what, mm -hmm. and, you know, what historically what happened in that market during like the 2008 crash? Did it go down and then bounce right back? You know, because there was a major liquidity thing for like six months. So you, it's hard to count that first six months. You want to count right after that when things yeah. kind of bounced right back because that liquidity thing stopped uh, from the whole Lehman moment and all that stuff. And so yep. being able to understand you know, what really occurred in that market from a major volatility standpoint and what to expect potentially in that market in the future, I think is key to mitigating risks of the deal that you're specifically focused on, right? And there's other mm -hmm. deals that may not be affected by that, which is why I diversify into these other asset classes also, so that that way I can say, look, I, I like real estate, but what if I'm way wrong, you know, on real estate? I want to have some diversity over here and, you know, some insurance policies and some other strategies that I utilize that are not as dependent based on economic volatility, right? So makes sense. Yeah, it's all about decreasing. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, you talked about a lot right there. So I'm going to... Yeah. <laughs> try and unpack it. But one thing that you did, you did mention really it is the really linking the macroeconomic trends to the microeconomic trends. And as everyone knows, real estate is very hyperlocal, which is why these headlines of commercial real estate is in a decline. It's basically just gaslighting. And yeah. I hate those headlines. But when you think about the relationship between the ma macro and the micro one thing that you have to look at is the supply and demand within that local market and the mm -hmm. so construction of new homes, be it single family, be it self-storage, be it apartment buildings. Like there's always supply and demand factors that are coming in or out of that local market. So this is why you have to invest locally with those people or at least be connected with the right people who know what the hell they're talking about because anyone mm -hmm. can spout things on a podcast just like this or on Instagram and say everything's fine and dandy when in actuality the d data does not support that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and even down to the neighborhood level, street by street level, understanding where that asset is, not just, hey, this entire county, this entire market as a whole or city as a whole. You really need to be looking at, you know, the street, the neighborhood, getting outside opinions and things like that and realize, hey, real estate's not always peachy. Right. There's issues that yeah. come up. Right. I've heard about fires that occurred on multifamilies. There's I got stolen from from a contractor last year for like four hundred thousand dollars. Like you, what? you take some. <laughs> yeah, you take some major hits and you got to do some meditation to be able to make sure that you're OK. after <laughs> yeah. that, right? Like, OK, well, is that why you invested in that weed farm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we bought a marijuana farm and yeah, it's pretty funny. So um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's in a different state than me. But yeah, I, I hear you. But 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 yeah, I mean, you have to literally be able to roll with the punches and say, okay, well, how do I solve the problem? So immediately changing your mindset, you know, from, oh my God, did this happen to what opportunity can I create out of this? And the faster yes. you can do that, the more successful you're going to be. I had a deal where I was going to lose, um, where I lost 50 grand in an apartment building. I just had to pull it out of my pocket to go pay it off and get it handled. The rehab was way more than I expected in the very beginning when I started doing apartments. And, um, and I lost 50 grand and I was struggling mentally telling my wife, hey, put your hand on my chest. I'm like, I just lost 50 grand. Like, this is really bothering me, you know? And yeah. Uh, and the next morning I'm like, okay, forget it. How do I make this money back? How do I make it back right now? Why am I not, I got to think bigger and just make, get a deal and, and do that. And I got another apartment building under contract for a 1031 exchange investor and wholesaled to them and made $70,000 in two weeks. And immediately Boom. my mindset like switched was like, holy crap, that worked, you know? And ever since then, my mindset was you know, focus, opportunity. What am I do? What what action items can I take right this second and consistently to stop this pain and make it turn around immediately? And it's amazing yeah. what can happen if you take action, 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 and just push at it. You know? Oh yeah, because is at the end of the day, when negative things happen to us, they can either it's essentially energy that's built up. So there's two right. options. One we take that energy and we push it down further. We process it through our heads and we take it right to our guts and we internalize it. And then that becomes a piece of who we are and how we operate going forward. Or we say that's not going to be a thing. And we are going to push that energy, turn it into something else, turn it into the exact opposite that the universe wanted us to take it as and turn it into a positive right. and see the opportunity in the mistake and learn from it and go forward. Yeah. You, you, you learn through taking continual punches in the face that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that that's the best way, you know, to do that, right. You have to take those hits and stand back up in order to have the mindset to do that. It's almost like training and boxing, right? You, you're going to take your hits and that's how you learn, you know? So, um, and that's how you are, become resilient, right? I don't think I quit my CPA firm job in 2006 to go into real estate full time. And so I was a real estate genius for about a year and a half before I got my ass handed to me and lost everything. <laughs> but that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I thought I was dope. We're flipping how I quit my CPA firm job. We're flipping houses. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Like, how great is this? We're killing it. And then realizing, oh, I'm not that dope. That was the market that was dope at the time. And it was super easy to make money in an up market. When, when stuff crashes, you're like, oh, the most humbling moment of my life. Okay. You know, like <laughs> I, my credit score was demolished. I thought, you know, that was like everything to me at the time. My whole ego was like, I got a 790 credit score. I'm amazing. You know? And, you know, and then you realize, no, you're an idiot. You don't know anything yet. You know, I thought I was good at running a business because my bookkeeping was done because I'm a CPA. And I'm like, that is not the key components of, you know, yeah, that's no. important, but not how to run a business, you know? So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You got to get punched in the mouth a few times. And although it's going to hurt, like it has to happen. And honestly, kind of why I've been thinking about getting into like boxing or jujitsu, just to yeah. you know, a fresh reminder of physical pain is yeah. Nice yeah. to have once in a while. Yeah. You're like, this is physical pain. This other thing in business doesn't hurt so bad, you know? So <laughs> yeah, I, I can recover from the other thing. I mean, th this, you know, this lip is going to take some time to heal though. <laughs> right.
Yeah, exactly. exactly. <clears throat> Matt, we've talked about a lot. We has been a whirlwind really of talking about a bunch of things. Um, but what, how would you like to wrap this up? I mean, we've talked about the economy uh, risks, what you are looking for in, in deals across multiple asset classes, how you are managing your own portfolio and offering investments to, to possible limited partners in a very unique strategy that's really risk averse, if I may say so myself, because you're buying, it sounds like you're buying them all cash, which I think great strategy right, right. now, if you have the cash. Um, but then we also talked about some of the private lending stuff that you're doing. So what would be, you know, a good round idea to kind of level set our, our listeners going forward with, with this podcast, you know, as we think about everything. So I think one of the most important things for people to do is, you know, I challenge them to learn different asset classes and different strategies that you can invest in to see what fits right for them, right? To see, do they want to be an active operator? Do they want to invest passively? You know, what is the best types of strategies to implement and what are the primary benefits? Because their underlying why is true financial freedom at the end of the day, yeah. right? To be able to actually create freedom where they're not relying on one income source or, you know, farming income and or, or one specific, you know, job to be able to make that money and stop trading time for money and being able to actually create that passive cash flow stream, whether you're active or or not, you still want to get that into passive cash flow deals, right? You may be able to hire people to do that in a business so you can step back or, or be able to invest with other people. But at the end of the day, I really challenge people to go get educated on these different asset classes, learn how to do your due diligence and, you know, start taking action on creating that freedom one small piece at a time, one small step at a time. We have a ton of education at MatthewOwens.com um, or my YouTube channel, which you can reach on, on my uh, website as well. Um, and, you know, start there or start with, you know, different, you know, the podcasts like this, consistently just trying to educate people, not selling you anything, just really trying to teach and, you know, be a leader in the community to try to add value to people. That's one of the most valuable things you can do to train your mind and constantly listen and take in little tidbits, tidbits of information until things become crystal clear and you can take action and really create that financial freedom and, and you know, have freedom in your life. That's killer advice, Matthew. I love that. It's all about taking that one step, you know, when I got into yeah. this industry and I still feel like I am stepping into a big world of fog but that's okay because like fog, you just have to take one step at a time and a little right. bit more clears and a little bit more clears and a little bit more clear and you get people on your side and it gets easier and you can all act as mm -hmm. a team going through this fog. Um, but just not being afraid, taking that one step and get the right people around you. So yeah, it's good stuff, Matthew. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, Matthew. Well, we will put all of your goodies and links in the show notes as well, if that is where people want to get a hold of you. But in case you want to do a quick plug for everyone. Uh, yeah, just MatthewOwens.com, one T in Matthew. So, and, uh, and you'll see all the different stuff we do and how we help investors. Boom. Love it. All right, listeners. Hope you got something out of today. I know I sure did. Matthew, thank you again, sir. Thank you, man.